This, this month that we have been experiencing our month of prayer and fasting, we have been learning so much together, haven't we, as a church about prayer. Um, and, and we've also, over the past few weeks, we've been pressing into those areas that God inclined our spirit to press into. The, uh, we've been talking about rebuilding relational connections uh, and the importance of our relationships and love. Well, last week, we talked about revitalizing our next-gen ministries. That oh, was really great. And, and this week, we want to talk about re-engaging in summit life and mission. And in, in thinking about that, uh, God led me to a story in the Old Testament. It's in the book of Haggai. Haggai was one of God's prophets. And um, I guess for, for a quick summary of, of the context here, you know, God moved his people out of slavery in Egypt and into the promised land, and they are in the promised land. Um, but it's not particularly going well. God's people aren't really acting like God's people. So God is sending his prophets and he's reminding his people um, to press into who he is and, and to act um, like a, a holy nation. Um, but his people are still not acting like his people. Uh, so what God does is he sends the um, Babylonians, the Babylonian army comes in with their full weight and they sack Jerusalem. Uh, and the temple is in ruins, and they cart off everything that is valuable, uh, including the majority of the people. And so now God's people are in Babylon, and they've been in exile for many, many years. But God is faithful. Uh, he says that when he does this, that he had a promise that he was going to return his people uh, to his, his land that he had given them. And that at their return, he would, uh, through them, rebuild the city, rebuild the temple, rebuild the nation. So this, this is where we are. The time has now come. And what God does is he moves the heart of King Cyrus of Persia. And King uh, Cyrus issues this decree that allows the exiled Jews to, to return to their homeland. And at this time, uh, commentaries tell us that there's probably about two or three million Jewish people living in exile. And, and many of them there had settled into the lifestyle that was there. They maybe were a bit comfortable. So we only see about 50 or 60,000 who choose to take advantage of this offer and leave Babylon, um, Persia, and then journey about 1,500 kilometers. Uh, which, by the way, is like walking from here to, to PEI, and they head back to rebuild God's destroyed temple. And leading this, this faithful pack, this little remnant back to Jerusalem, uh, is a guy by the name of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel is the governor of Judah. He is from the line of David. And Zerubbabel is leading with the high priest. The high priest at the time, his name is Joshua. And when they get there, uh, their priorities are in the right place. They restore that altar, they worship together, they start to work on that temple, but the work starts to slow, and then it gets a little slower, then it stops. And 16 years after that process began, the people have yet to finish rebuilding God's house. So before we <laughs> judge their project management skills, I think we, we should consider the context that they're in. So we have to remember that it's, it's only a small portion of them, right, who returned. They were described as a remnant. This is just a small fragment of people. Maybe they were feeling understaffed and overworked. 
Maybe their passion started to fade, their zeal started to wane a bit. And they had to walk far to get back to that land. And when they got there, that land was like desolated, right? This had been a war zone. So they're, they're looking at ruin. They're looking at empty fields. They didn't have much at all. So maybe they were feeling a sense of loss. Maybe their hearts had become downcast or, or depressed in their circumstances. We know that the, the human spirit can slide backwards in long, difficult circumstances. So perhaps for these people, discouragement maybe was setting into them. And we know too, historically, that there was opposition as they were trying to do this. They were getting all kinds of political pressure. Uh, the Samaritans, who were a group of people uh, that were there, they were creating obstacles for the Jewish nation. And it was actually hindering them from doing this building of the temple. And so maybe you know, this opposition and this difficulty, maybe it was causing even more for them and, and there were feelings of fear and, and frustration. And then scripture is telling us that the people were claiming that it wasn't the right time to rebuild God's temple. And instead, they went to go and work on their homes. They needed a place to live, right? They needed crops to survive, didn't they? And maybe they were thinking if it was really God's will for them to be building this temple, wouldn't it have been easier for them to do? Because this task that was in front of them was extremely difficult to do. And we don't really know for sure why they weren't on mission, but scripture tells us that they withdraw. They get off of God's thing and they start doing their own thing. They started working on their own houses, their own fields, their own priorities. And so God sends his prophet Haggai to speak a word to his people, to give a message to them. God asks in Haggai 1 verse 2, why is everyone saying that it's not the right time for rebuilding my temple? Is it then the right time for you to live in luxurious homes while the temple lies in ruins? And he continues in verse six, you plant much but harvest little. You scarcely have enough to eat or drink and not enough clothes to keep you warm. Your income disappears as though you were putting it into pockets filled with holes. And he's telling them that while they had these great ambitions for themselves, nothing has really come about. And he invites them to consider how they have acted and what has happened to them as a result. Because their current self-interested activity is not something that God was going to bless. You know, they, got, they got up and started to take care of their own priorities and considered his home less important. They put their interests before God's interests. And in God's economy, we, what we give is, is how we get. So God withheld rain and crops died and they were no longer thriving. And so God asked them about their, their failure and their loss he says, consider the reason for your misfortune right now. And God is, is good to his people. He is patient when, when we go the wrong way. He works to bring us back. We see it here. God said in verse 8, go up into the mountains and bring down timber and rebuild my temple. And I will be pleased with it and appear there in my glory. Through Haggai, God is reminding them of the priority of the task to complete the temple. They needed to reorder their priorities. So then the governors, Zerubbabel and the high priest Joshua and all the people listened, like really listened 
and they obeyed and honored God. And then Haggai gave them a word from God, verses 13 and 14, I am with you. I will bless you. And then God gave them a desire to rebuild his temple. And so they all gathered and volunteered their help. <laughs> when I think about this story, in, in so many ways, maybe it can feel similar to what we're experiencing today. The Jewish nation on the other side of exile, rebuilding the temple. Here we are, God's people, starting out again after the pandemic, invited to continue to join in on the work that Christ is doing in the building of his church. But we know things have changed. Maybe it can be like that remnant returning. We can relate to this. Church attendance is different post-COVID. Now, most churches are reporting that only about 40 to 60% of their people have returned. As well, many pastors and leaders have left ministry altogether, about 40%. So maybe we can understand this feeling. Maybe we can feel a bit like a remnant, like a fragment. And maybe like God's people back then, we can, we can feel the weight of, of these responsibilities. The workload, it, it can feel heavy. We're hesitant, are, are we ready? And, and maybe when we consider the, the size of the task of, of, God's, of God's work, maybe, maybe we feel like we just we don't have capacity for it right now. We, we feel a bit overwhelmed. Maybe that makes us feel a little bit paralyzed or immobilized in our activity. Or maybe too, just like those Samaritans creating obstacles and difficulty, maybe the world around us uh, in many ways has been putting pressure on us and grinding at us and, and creating this interference and distraction, stuff that has, has moved us off of where God has actually invited us to be. Maybe too, like God's people back then, we've, we've created rationale for ourselves as to why we're not really involved. Has our work stopped? Are we still doing ministry? Because it is possible as the years have passed with COVID that we're really not doing God's things, the work that he calls us to. But instead, we've, we've been doing our things prioritizing ourselves, and in lots of ways, understandably so, right? But it's, it's about those things that, that we want or, or what is convenient or our schedules or, or our interests. And, and I think it's interesting, the similarities between this story and our current context, especially as we think about it in terms of reengaging in summit life and mission. Right? How did these guys get back on track of building God's temple? And what can we learn from this story, from these circumstances? So I wanna, I wanna call out three important features that, that may help us in our thinking as, as we consider our ministry today, what God's inviting us to do today. And the very first thing is this, God has a purpose and a plan for our lives. Haggai 1.1 starts, in the second year on the first day of the sixth month. Now this is so specific. This is a time. And, and for sure there was intentionality 
when, when the writer was putting down the story that they start that way because it calls out when this was happening in, in history. But I also believe that it is emphasizing a particular point in history intentionally designed by a sovereign God. God gives this responsibility to these particular people for this particular project at this particular point in time. The, Jew, the returning Jewish nation is called to rebuild the temple. And in the same way, each of us are commissioned by God today, each with our own gifts, gifts given by his spirit for his purposes, none more important than the next, but, but we are a particular people uh, for a particular project at this particular time. And scripture tells us that God himself, who has uh, made us uh, what we are, has, has given us these new lives. Um, we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And it was planned long ago. It was planned long ago that we would spend our lives helping others. Every believer, without exception, has been set apart by God. He has holy plans for us. We are consecrated by him. That means that we have been set apart to God's side. We have been chosen for something very important that God is doing. And what's God doing? He's saving and he's rescuing and he's blessing and he's providing and he's healing because there is a war happening, a spiritual battle there is evil and cruelty and illness and sadness and pain. And God is in battle against all of it. God is for life against death. God is for love against hate. God is for hope against despair. And before each of us were born, we were enlisted on God's side for this war. You and me, we had spiritual shape and purpose before we ever even had biological shape. By God's unbelievable grace, he uses his people for his purposes. And, and we have been placed only where we can be. Do you believe that? No one can replace us, substitute for us, fill our spot. God is out to win the war with love and each of us have been selected personally by him for it. He had something distinct in mind for us. We see it, God ordains his people for work. When we think of those stories in the Bible, when we think of Moses or, or Samuel or David or, or Peter or Jeremiah, Jeremiah is a, a great example of this. In the book of Jeremiah, it opens with, the word of the Lord came to him and told him, speaking to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And this verse shows us that this is also true of us that when God decided on us, it was in a very personal way. He gives our identity, he knows our name. 
He didn't wait to see how we would turn out before he chose to use us. No, before we were born, he chose us to his side and consecrated us and appointed us for service by his plan. Who we are is so important to him. And, and how we do is so important to him. So when he gave us new lives through, through Jesus and works in us and transforms us to be more like him, out of this, out of our transformation and, and our experiences and our personality, he calls us into a work that, that no one else can do. By grace, he gives a special responsibility with him in our time. And I think sometimes there can be confusion around work, right? When we're talking about work in the church or responsibility or, or service, the, the work that we do. Because I think sometimes people think that, you know, when you do good things, that gets you to God, things that will prove our worth. Uh, things like earning everlasting life by operating justly or, or honestly or fairly. But it doesn't work like this. Not with God. We're saved by grace alone, by grace. There's, there's nothing we can do. It's a gift of God through Jesus. And when we, when we believe and, and receive Christ, he pours into us his Holy Spirit within us, and he transforms our very nature by his grace and, and continues to transform us ongoingly. We become a new creation in our very nature and then begin to live out of that new nature. And this is serving and giving and loving. God has a purpose and a plan for our lives. Do we know the ways that he's inviting us to serve him? Do we know? When Jeremiah realized his authentic and eternal being, when the word of the Lord came to him and, and told him, right? He said that, that God had formed him and, and knew him and set him apart and appointed him. It was in conversation with God that, that Jeremiah discovered who he had created him to be. And so for us, this is true. We, we seek God we spend time with him, we hear from him, we, we go to him as our starting place for uncovering the truth, and we listen to his direction and his promptings within us. And we need to be careful because when we begin with ourselves and, and not God, it's how we feel and how we think that will start to shape our trajectory just in the same way that the Jewish nation thought that it wasn't the time for rebuilding the temple. We have to remember, we're living in the middle of a story that God already began. Our identity doesn't begin with us. There was something previous to what we think of ourselves, and that is what God thinks of us. That is who God created us to be. That is what God has planned in and through our lives for his glory. You know, as it was for the, the Jewish nation then, in the second year, on the first day of the sixth month, 
So it is for you and me on this 22nd day of the first month of 2023. Our time is now. Now, church. Our time is now. And who he created us and, and called us and, and plan all those plans that he has for us. He says to us that we are his handiwork, created in Jesus for good works. And he prepared those in advance to do. And when we step into this truth, this is when we move towards re-engaging in his beautiful mission. God has a purpose and a plan for our lives. So another important part of this story that, that helps us as we think about our own ministry uh, is that God desires our priority and our pursuit of his plan. God longs to be close with us, that, that we would love him with everything and, and be obedient to those things that he asks of us. You know, in this story, the, the temple in Jerusalem was this architectural evidence of the importance of God in the life of the people. And the temple was in ruins. It was a, a picture of the absence of God in their lives and the unraveling of their God-centered purpose. Those people had put themselves where God belonged. And unfortunately, the consequences of the decision that they made was an emptiness and it was a poverty. And the same thing can happen in our lives. It's true, if we develop habits of delay or procrastination or excuse, you know, things like we don't have enough energy, uh, we don't know enough, Maybe we're just not consistent. We have these like spurts of love and then kind of slip back. Sometimes we can immerse ourselves in, in like present matters, what's happening in our world, the pursuits of our own heart, the pleasures of our life. And, and these things, they're going to they're gonna leave us empty and wanting. And because worldly priorities are always changing. The current thing that we have, it feeds. The next is better. Think of it like a promotion, the job you're doing, the next, the next, the next, or the car. And this feels like we're always dissatisfied. But kingdom life with Jesus, this is more than enough. His treasures never fade, and his purposes are always good. And God desired his people there to honor him and build his temple in the same way that he honor, he's desiring for us to live uh, with wholehearted devotion to him and to, to be serving him for kingdom purposes. He invites us to be a people whose hearts are all in, loving those things that, that he loves and, and using our gifts for these things. It's, it's, a, it's a movement, uh, a spiritual movement of holy action and, and habit, not for our agenda, but for his agenda. And it's because God's nature is to give. He's lavishly generous. The Father gave the Son, Jesus. Jesus gave his life. He gives us to the world to serve and to, to share the gospel. Giving is, is woven into the very fabric of God's character. And we are made in his image. 
So, so this action, this giving was, was designed in us before our birth. And if we live to get instead of giving, we're going against the grain. Now, it's not going to go well for us. And we see it in this story. God's people living for themselves. And God wasn't going to bless them when they were living for themselves and their own things. When we think about those stories of, of God's people uh, doing what the Lord wanted them to do, when they, they went out fearlessly and the power of God went with them, right? Like that, the whirlwind of power that accompanied Moses and, and God's people, and, they, they, and as they stepped out, as long as they dared to march forward, God just created miracles and cleared the way. And it's for us to see his wonders and his miracles and his power. And to do so, we must continue to be given, giving our hearts to him and his plans, to prefer him over all things rather than preferring ourselves, our plans, our ambitions. This is about our father's interests over the work that we do for our own benefit. And please don't hear that I'm suggesting that we, we jump into this, this other ditch where you know, we all quit our jobs and we give away everything that we own and we spend all our time meditating and singing and, and praying, although if God invites you to, to do that, then yes, that is the case. But what I'm talking about here, this, this case, is about a condition of the heart. It's, does God have the first place? Or have we been busy building our own houses? Are we a people on pursuit of, of God's purpose and his plans and stepping into those opportunities to serve? Or have we let off the gas a little? Haggai 1.5, God invites us to evaluate our lives. He says, take a good, hard look at your life. Think it over. And I would encourage us to do that. I would encourage each of us to, to meet with God, to invite the Spirit to search our hearts and, and see, you know, are there things that are holding us back? Does God hold that first place? And where there's junk, we repent. That's to turn away from that and be restored back to God. Back to God and his beautiful work. God gives each of us responsibility to, to love him, to, to love others, to make him known, to share the good news that we have in Jesus. And as much as he can incline us to do this, or his, his spirit can, can stir us, he, he won't do it for us. He gives us this choice. He will help, he will wait, he is patient, really patient, but longs for us to choose him, to choose heavenly things over worldly things, to help the poor, to advance the cause of Christ, 
to live sacrificially, to, to pray, to, to witness Jesus, to understand what God's will is in our life, understand it, choose it, live it, we can start now. Now we can honor God as first and live actively on mission. God desires our priority and pursuit of his plan. And as we step into this truth, we move towards re-engaging in the life of the church and her mission. So God has a purpose and a plan for our lives. He desires our priority and pursuit of his plan. And another important part of this story is that God promises his power and his provision for his purposes. He doesn't leave us for the work. He equips us and he empowers us for it. In the story, when the people listened to what God was saying through Haggai and they all got to work, God blessed them and said, I am with you. He blessed them by his presence and his power to accomplish the responsibility. He was their strength and their motivation. And the same is true for us in all that God calls us to do. Jesus promises us this. He says, I am always with you until the end of time. He promises his incomparably great power for us who believe. He says that power comes upon us when his Holy Spirit comes on us. He says, not by us, not by our strength, but in fact, by his spirit and his spirit alone. And as we partner with God in the work that he is doing in the world, we discover there is no undertaking that is, is too great, too exhausting, too expensive. Our invitation is to boldly step in and, and claim that which is available for us, for those opportunities that he has given to us. And this isn't about us. We have to remember this isn't like our doing or our, our hustle or our activity or our, our striving. It's about obedience to his purposes and a, and a risky faith that's willing to get out there so that, that he might advance his kingdom in the world through our lives. And we have to remember that, that, that we can't do the supernatural work that only God can do. Miracles and, and changed hearts and inspiring kindness in others and, and healing, all of these things. These things are, are God's work. Our part is partnership with him in this. Can you picture a rainbow for me? There, it's there, right? So we have these multicolored arcs that are made when, when light hits the water. If you get a good angle and you look up after you know, a, a rainstorm and the sunlight is, is coming up from behind you, it's like bang, there's this full spectrum of color in front of you, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple, right? Have you ever seen this? Did you know that rainbows are circles? Because as, as viewers on the ground, we, we only get to see the light that's reflected above the horizon. We actually don't see the full picture. 
And I, I think sometimes we can see ourselves like this, limited from our perspective, looking at things from the way that we see things. We don't know all that there actually is. But I think, I think that God wants us to know that this isn't the full picture of who we are. And from his perspective, there is so much more beauty and power hidden from the point of view that we are operating out of. This is resurrection power that is sufficient for everything that we do. We can do all things in him. He works in us to both to will and to do the work. Remember in the story it said that God gave his presence and his power, I am with you. And then he stirred the people, he moved them, he excited them. Christ gives us everything that we need, top to bottom. He gives us the insight on the job that needs to be done. He gives us the desire to make our work joy. He stirs up the purpose within us that makes us hungry and ready and eager for action. He equips us for everything that he calls us into and works in and through our lives, his great plans for this world. And, and just like Jesus, who was abiding in the Father, it is so with us. In our fellowship with God, the life of Christ flows into us, filling us through us, overflowing out of us to those all around us. And as we, we cultivate this relationship with the Spirit, yielding to his leading, what he's inviting us to, his work, of love doesn't stop in us and through us. We work out what he is working in. So he cultivates patience within us. And we learn gentleness in serving others. He sheds love into our heart, a love that can overcome. And when we walk, we walk with faith and hope. Jesus within us, encouraging us, correcting us, guiding us, inspiring us. And just like back then, God renews our very energy for the work that he has invited us to. And this is our invitation today, whether young or old or successful or disappointed, full, full of hope maybe today, full of fear even. Wherever, wherever we find ourselves, may we be filled with the knowledge of his will and strengthened with his power for his good works. Good works like, like giving a meal to the hungry or a bed to somebody without a home or being generous with, with our time and sharing our resources and loving others. His power, he meets us he helps us, he carries us wherever we are, whatever our service is. We, we can't round up enough containers to, to hold everything that God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Friends, through our lives, he can do abundantly more than we could ever think or imagine. So I would, I would encourage you this day, that, that as we consider God's promise to us for his power and his provision for his purposes, do we have a, uh, a sense of, of his very strength within us? Um, do we have his power for that which he has called us to do? Are you full of the Holy Spirit ready to overflow to others?
Because if not, ask him for more. We have this beautiful privilege of approaching the throne of grace and asking, and God does not withhold any good thing from us. And, and over and over and over again, we see in our Bibles people being filled anew by grace, even receiving a double portion of his Holy Spirit for the task that God has invited them to pray for more and more of him in you. And if you'd like, even if, if God is stirring you and maybe he's stirring up a work and you can feel it pounding around in your soul and in your heart, if you have this sense that, that you want to be prayed for, for a filling of his Holy Spirit after the service, we are here to pray for you, to anoint you with oil and to ask, to ask for a fresh filling of power and strength. God promises he will do it. God promises his power and provision for his purposes. So these are the three important messages from the, from the, from the actually just the first part of that story in Haggai of the rebuilding of the temple. Goes on for lots more lessons and you, know, you can read about the story of the rebuilding of the temple in uh, Ezra and Zechariah. But as we think about these three important messages, these three things uh, can be a catalyst for us as we think about re-engaging in the life of the church and her mission. God has a purpose and a plan for our lives. God desires our priority and our pursuit of his plans. God promises his power and provision for his purposes. You know, at, at Summit, we long to see everybody in the body flourishing and, and using their gifts to be, to be seeking the purposes and plans of God and, and giving him uh, the very best of us and, and moving out in power for his kingdom purposes and his glory in, in, our, in our region around the world. So we invite you to, to pray about how is God inviting you to serve in this season, at this time? Maybe too, you'd like to know more about spiritual gifts or your spiritual gifts. And we have a discovery workshop that's coming up. And if you want, you can send an email to info at summitcommunity.ca and we'll respond with some of the materials that you'll need for that workshop. The other thing you can do to explore your gifts and serving is, is uh, on our teams. You can find all the different teams that are, that are uh, on fire working for God uh, on our website or on our app. Um, and there's, there's lots of different ways that you can get involved. And, and I, don't, I don't want you to feel the, the weight of that. It's not a 22-year commitment to a team. You can, you can test drive a team. Right, you can just go into different ministry areas and be a part of it and see how God is working there. And if it is something that he is inviting you in on as well. Um, there are other ways too, not even just a quick test drive. You can do it a little longer. You can do like a three month until the spring. You could do a six month until sort of the, the end of June. But it's a, it's a great way to explore uh, different ways that God is at work in his church. He is doing amazing things. And you know, we are here to support you as you engage in mission 
In any way we can do that, we, we are here to serve you. So let us know how we can help because we long to see the fullness of the, the Holy Spirit through your life for his glory. And we know sometimes God invites us to, to get involved in big work and sometimes smaller, sometimes it's, it's flourishing and sometimes it's a struggling work, but, but together, together church, like, like that remnant long ago together, we're, we're responding to his call to, to accomplish what, what our culture so desperately needs today, what our world needs right now and that's Jesus. How our world needs Jesus. So church, this is an exciting time, and we are just praying that, that he would be glorified every day through our lives as we engage in his mission for the sake of the world, for his glory. Amen?